Hello fellow adventurers and welcome to the You Can Shine podcast. My name is Josie Thompson and I'll be your host today for a very special episode all about transforming your mind and cultivating resilience. The COVID-19 pandemic is exposing all of us to significant traumatic distress and placing us at risk for a host of stress and trauma-related health consequences, in addition to the risk of contracting the COVID-19 disease itself. By proactively addressing these risks with resilience-boosting strategies, we can all do our best to take care of ourselves, our families, our co-workers or employees, and each other at this time. I'm joined today by Dr. Jeffrey Schwartz. Dr. Jeffrey Schwartz is an American psychiatrist and researcher in the field of neuroplasticity and its application to obsessive compulsive disorder. As one of the world's leading experts in neuroplasticity and the co-founder of the neuroleadership field, Dr. Jeffrey Schwartz is a sought after speaker and best-selling author of Brainlock and You Are Not Your Brain, The Four-Step Solution for Ending Destructive Behaviour, Changing Bad Habits and Taking Control of Your Life. And more recently, a book we co-authored along with Art Kleiner called The Wise Advocate, The Inner Voice of Strategic Leadership. I met Dr. Schwartz back in 2006 at the very first Neuroleadership Summit in Asolo um, in Italy. In this conversation, Dr. Schwartz and I will discuss what resilience is and how to build resilience capability. We'll talk about how to overcome unhealthy addictions while enhancing your well-being and resilience. And we'll discuss how to manage stress, anxiety, and fear. Welcome, Dr. Schwartz. Yes, hi, Josie. Good to be here. Yeah, it's good to have you back. Now, uncertainty is hard to live with, and the stress and fear that often accompanies it can be really taxing, especially when it comes to our nervous system. What's worse, it's much harder for a person to think of and do the things that bring them back to center when they're feeling upset, anxious, or afraid. So let's start with stress and fear. So many people are feeling afraid right now and with good reason. You know, they're afraid about health, aging parents, layoffs, paying rent or the mortgage. And right now, even grocery shopping can feel frightening. And no one knows exactly what the next week holds or the next day for that matter. This is not just a health crisis. It's becoming an economic and mental health crisis as well. So, Dr. Schwartz, where do we start? Well, it is true that we're in a very, very stressful time. In that way, it does help us you know, understand that there's a context. And what we want to do is not let this context overwhelm us. So you mentioned the name of our last book, The Wise Advocate. And that wise advocate is an inner loving guide that we all have access to. And it, it helps us understand what's happening, keep things in proper perspective, but it also helps us to calm our fears and anxieties. Now, there's, there's a system in the brain 
that we call the warning center. And that warning center detects threat. And when it detects threat, it tends to throw up automatic defensive behaviors also associated with anxiety and worry. Now, the problem is that when the anxiety and worry becomes too intense, it can literally overwhelm the parts of our brain that are used for thinking and planning and keeping our goals clear and in mind. And those are what we call the executive parts of the brain that, that allow us to do forward-looking, goal-directed behaviors. The wife advocate can help us keep our executive brain online so that we can still think clearly and pursue goals even during anxious times like these. So the first thing to do is I'm going to review what we've been using for a long, long time, first developed in obsessive compulsive disorder uh, work, the four steps. And then we're going to do a short breath awareness exercise that not only helps us calm ourselves, but helps us connect with the inner loving guide of the wise advocate that can guide our attention in ways that will help us cope and not get overwhelmed by stress and anxiety um, coming from the warning center part of the brain. The four steps are relabel, reframe, refocus, and revalue. Now, when you're under stress and anxiety, the relabel becomes pretty straightforward because all you have to do is really remind yourself, I'm feeling anxious because of all of the stresses that we're under right now. But it actually does help to put a word on it and even to, 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 to say this is anxiety, this is my brain responding to a perception of potential threat. But then we want to be able to reframe that feeling and those brain signals. Can so I add that, something, Jeff? Yes. I think it's important to also say that when we're doing the relabel, that we're only using a word or two to describe what that feeling or emotion is. That we don't go into a storytelling narrative. We're not trying to explain. We just want to name it, don't explain it. Because when we narrate or explain or ruminate, we're actually worsening the condition. Right? That's exactly right. So you don't want to start coming up with all the examples of things that you're worried about. Mm. You just want to label for, for the point of then being able to reframe and put in perspective. Mm. Um, and, and so all of these steps and the breath awareness exercise too are geared towards directing attention in ways that help us manage and cope with stress, not think about stress. So the, the relabel step is really just the cue that tells us now what do we do now that we can say, okay, we're feeling anxious. Now we're going to reframe 
and say, yes, there are things that there that are anxiety provoking that, you know, there are threats, but we need to be able to think clearly and have good plans and, and obviously things that we need to remember to do like washing our hands, social distancing, etc., that will help us manage that stress. So that's reframing our brain messages to put them in a proper context so that the part that is true, we are working at dealing with those, those feelings, but the part that's excessive or the part that is false because too many associated fears are pouring in and, mm -hmm. and it's too much worrying about what might happen rather than dealing with what actually is happening mm -hmm. right now. Um, the the reframing allows us to get in touch with our wise advocate, the inner guide that helps to calm us down and make a plan about what are we going to do going forward. And then refocusing is what comes from relabeling leading directly into reframing. So you're putting things in context. And now when we say refocus, we mean that we're going to direct the attention in wholesome, adaptive ways. And that's what the breath exercise is geared towards. When we do that regularly, we, we automatically come into the revalue step, which then allows us to value things differently and have more confidence in our ability to manage the fears that we have. Beautiful. And I think, you know, thank you so much for that wonderful explanation of the four steps because you have used this very very effectively with obsessive compulsive disorder patients and i've used it in my coaching practice with leaders who are, are, are actively consciously seeking to transform the way they think and therefore the way they lead not only their enterprises but even their lives and this is what we're being called to do now so that we can get a better handle on life and this very uncertain nature of the world that we're looking to navigate through. Right. So let's, let's have a look at that exercise, Jeff. Right, let's spend a few minutes now. I'm going to guide you for a few minutes um, in how to do a simple but very important um, exercise. So even though it's simple to describe, um, you'll see that when you start to try to do it, it has its challenges. But all of those challenges are met by remembering that all we need to do is go back to our breath and learn how to focus on our breath. So the thing that will help us do that is being in touch with our wise advocate, that wise advocate in us will remind us when the mind wanders to bring it back gently to our breath. Now, what do I mean by paying attention to the breath? I mean something very specific. I mean paying attention to a feeling, a physical feeling, a sensation, a feeling caused by the movement of air when you breathe in right around the nostril 
uh, and the upper lip, you, when you breathe in, you'll feel that flow of air and the movement of that flow of air causes a feeling. And that feeling is what we're trying to pay attention to, the feeling of the movement of the air. And then after we breathe in and we breathe out, we have the, the feeling also of the movement of the air as it goes out of the nostrils. And to make that feeling more detectable, we use a pacing, a count, that slows the breath down a little bit. And because we're breathing a little more slowly and more deeply, it accentuates the flow of the air and makes it easier for us to pay attention to the feeling of the movement of the air. And we use a count that, that, that goes like this. On the in-breath, we go one, two, three, one. And then on the out-breath, one, two, three, two. And then we do a second breath in, one, two, three, three, out, one, two, three, four. And then we start over. So I'll pace it. it. The pacing will be a little faster than that, but that, but you'll see that we're going to be slowing it down. So I'll just do an example now. Breathing in would be one, two, three, one, and out one, two, three, two. So we want to sit up straight, not rigid, but sit tall, straight, um, facing forward, but you can be sort of also glancing downwards. You can either have the eyes closed or open or even half, half open, whatever is more comfortable. And then get into this relaxed state. And let's take a breath in now. So we feel the feeling of that air and then out. And then let's do one more and then I'll start counting in and out. And now here's in breath, one, two, three, one, out, two, three, two. In breath, two, three, three, one, two, three, four. And another cycle. In, two, three, one, out, two, three, two. One, two, three, three, one, two, three, four. And now let's try two minutes on your own. Remember, feeling of the movement of the air as it comes in and out of the nostril.
Okay. So that's two minutes. And I just want to remind you now, undoubtedly, your mind wandered during some part of that two minutes, which is fine. The only thing you have to remember is when the mind wanders, you notice, maybe make a little relabeling note, mind wandered, and then simply go back to the breath and start counting again from one. Mm -hmm. One, two, three, one, one, two, three, two. One, two, three, three, one, two, three, four. So mind wandering in and of itself is not a problem. It's just paying attention so that you keep going back to the breath and trying to get through those two breaths and then keep going. But it's the wise advocate that's helping you be aware when your mind has wandered and your wise advocate, the inner loving guide, that's guiding your attention back to the breath. And as you do this, you'll see the breath itself slows and calms. And when you do this at home on your own, you can set a timer. You always want to set a timer for about five minutes, three to five minutes to begin, and then do it very regularly. The key is to try to do a little bit every day, and you'll see that you'll find this very calming. And of course, you can do it multiple times a day. And at any point, you can always do an in-breath, out-breath while being aware of the feeling of the movement of the air as it enters and leaves the nostril. Yeah, beautiful. And this practice seems so simplistic, but it's actually, this, it's not that easy to do. It's a form of what I call like a mental push-up. It looks fairly straightforward, but it actually does take practice to really get yourself and your and your attention focused for even if it is only two minutes. It's, it sounds really easy, but it actually create it really does require a lot of discipline, right? And it gets us in touch with the wise advocate. That's yeah. the thing. It will automatically get you in touch with the wise advocate because you'll need the wise advocate to help guide you because mm. the mind will be wandering and mm. the wise advocate is the thing that's helping you guide your attention back to the breathing and be aware of the fact that your mind has wandered. Yeah, I just want to reiterate the fact that the wise advocate is that little voice that we all have inside us that can very calmly direct our right next steps if we would only attune to it. And the only time that we can really hear what that voice is trying to um, have us do is when we, we quiet our minds and stop in all the busyness of life and actually start to take our attention within and seek the guidance that we need to be able to recenter ourselves. And that's what this practice is all about, is training our capacity to recenter ourselves and create distance from those fearful and worrying thoughts and anxieties. And yeah. that practice will give us resilience yeah. because, because it, it builds up. This practice is known to build up our executive brain. It strengthens our capacity to pay attention and it helps us keep going 
and mm -hmm. not get worn down by the anxieties and the fears, but rather learn how to manage them, come up with constructive strategies. And also the wife advocate is very helpful for making constructive narratives for understanding when you relabel and reframe, especially reframing so that you're, you're, you're keeping things in perspective and framing things in ways that lend themselves to coming up with concrete things that you can do to help the situation. Mm -hmm. One of which is the breath awareness exercise, which automatically will be teaching us how to refocus our attention on mm -hmm. things that are adaptive. Yes, and before we, we have a little bit more of a conversation around resilience, it's prevalent for people, Jeff, to be quite unfriendly and critical towards themselves. How can we start to change this? Right, so that, we have a name for that. We call those deceptive brain messages because those are really just brain responses that were wired in, you know, generally speaking, many years ago. But then when we, when we listen to them, and especially when we identify with them, they really become stronger and stronger. And one of the key benefits of using a mindfulness approach, which the wise advocate will he always help us with, is not identifying those deceptive brain messages and negative thoughts as part of ourself, but mm -hmm. rather just um, distant. This all came from the work in obsessive compulsive disorder that the, the, these are thoughts that are not relevant to us and they're caused by brain circuits that are not us. And that is in fact where the name of the book, You Are Not Your Brain comes from. Yeah, and I'll make sure I'll put that in the, in the notes for this podcast. Now, when we start talking about resilience, the first thing I think we need to understand is that the, the way the brain is wired is that we are predisposed to be on the lookout for threat. And when the brain perceives a threat in what's going on around us, our executive brain functioning is reduced. So the cognitive functioning is impaired. Our ability to have insights or be creative is also going to be compromised. But the good news is that we can actually learn to regulate these threats and grow what's called direct experience networks, which we do through that breath awareness exercise. So I'd like to have a talk with you now, Jeff, about resilience. When I've worked with organizations, I've always used a definition by Fuller that says resilience is the ability to rise above and rebound from adversity. And my thoughts on this further is it also explains why sometimes adversity can lead to transformation in some people, but in other times it can lead to more suffering for others. The resilience is a thing that promotes us to have higher levels of persistence, approachability, and also well-developed social skills. And it also helps us to survive and adapt to learn our lessons of the past and help ourselves into the future. And the good news about resilience is that it's something that we can learn. 
and and the four steps is very conducive to doing it hmm. so so there's a real i mean the four steps are a foundation on which resilience can be built because when you when, when you relabel and put a name on it hmm. then reframe to just hmm. see what true ways that you can see to manage it hmm. and then focus on those things that is in fact putting resilience into practice. You are actually using the four steps to guide what is resilient behavior mm. under a circumstance like that. Mm. And that builds your brain to be more resilient. Mm. And the reason we want to be more resilient is because we want to be able to improve our problem solving. We also want to be able to deepen our ability to self-regulate improve our capacity to be mindful and to build our social cognition and one of the things that that i've learned over the years is it actually contributes to what has been defined as a happy life and i think this is what ultimately we all want right and in my research jeff over the years the two things that get in the way of building resilience is what um one of the neuroscientists that I studied talks about is expression and suppression of our emotions. Can you talk about why, from a neuroscience perspective, you know, expression and suppression are not wise strategies in dealing with uncertain times? Well, I mean, again, the four steps really help to, to understand that process because as soon as you are relabeling and reframing, you're going to be much less prone to suppress, which is essentially using denial mm. and, and, and trying to just ignore or make believe that you're not feeling what you're actually feeling or that you're not seeing what you're actually seeing. And, and then you're also in the refocusing, coming up with constructive ways to express um, your responses and and the wise advocate is really the key to to constructive expression and not destructive expression so we also like to say that through the wise advocate and this this use of relabeling reframing and refocusing we're enhancing our capacity to use discernment assessment and discernment so that that we can assess what's actually going on and make wise choices, be discerning about how we respond to them. And another strategy that I found very, very helpful in, in creating and developing resilience capability is something that's called distancing. And that's just creating some space between yourself and the trigger if it's external. Um, and to create space between yourself and the disturbing thought is the breath awareness exercise that Dr. Schwartz has also just taken us through. It creates a space between the breath, if you like, where you can have some stillness and some calm to really start to step back and away from those distressing thoughts and emotions and start to cultivate some inner calmness. And a calm mind ultimately leads to clarity of thinking and greater confidence in the decisions that you will ultimately make to navigate your circumstance. 
and the wise advocate is is mm-hmm. a, you know an extremely good way to have a constructive healthy distance so that you don't take deceptive brain messages at face value you mm-hmm. relabel reframe them and also guides you in focusing your attention on adaptive things and the big point there on mindfulness is that you're not identifying who you are Mm. with those deceptive brain messages that's one of the most important Mm. help help steps that the wise advocate and mindfulness help you do yeah i think one of the big things i learned jeff working with you and delivering the you are not your brain masterclass is that our thoughts are thoughts they're not facts and and we're not one of the things that you say is you are not your brain and i think that's important for people to remember as well right you're not your brain and you're not your thoughts. Mm-hmm. You know, your wise advocate helps you pick out the parts of what's happening that are constructive and then focus your attention on the parts that are adaptive and constructive. Mm-hmm. And one more way that's really practical and, and easy to do is, is gratitude, to cultivate more gratitude and appreciation. And when we're, when we're paying attention to what we're grateful for, what we appreciate, it actually redirects our focus and attention and rewires your brain. And yes. this is what we want to do when we're seeking to manage these stressful and anxious times. Right. And gratitude lists are a, a perfect example of what happens when you use relabeling, reframing, and refocusing to revalue what's going on and, see, and, and remember the positive and remember the things that you have to be thankful for so that you put proper value on the good things and don't get caught up on the bad things and the frightening things and the threatening things. Mm. Well, I think we'll leave it at there for today, Dr. Schwartz. Thank you so much for sharing some practical strategies to help us direct attention in ways that help us cope and manage stress and not think about stress so that what we're doing ultimately is transforming our minds and cultivating resilience. I hope you enjoyed this podcast today. Share your comments with me and tell me what you liked about this interview and how it's helpful for you. Help spread the love by sharing the link with your friends so they too can rise and shine too. So until next time, remember, it's not what happens to you that defines you. It's how you respond that counts. Shine on. Mm-hmm.